As I mentioned just a moment ago, Paul has asked me to speak on the subject of fellowship, and uh, I'm grateful for the privilege to do that because it's been an important topic in my life personally. Uh, I would also like to let you know, if you're not aware of it, uh, Clayton Schultz on uh, Sunday evenings is doing a series of messages from Philemon. And that's the story about a slave and a slave owner. And it really deals with the core principles of fellowship. So you would enjoy that as well. Uh, You know, as we begin the subject of fellowship, just share a little personal testimony. When I was a senior in high school in Wheatland, Wyoming, I came to know Christ as Savior. And I'll never get over uh, how those strange people at the church changed, and all of a sudden, they were the most wonderful people I knew on the earth. How uh, I, God pulled the veil from my eyes, and how I could really love the church. And I thought when people were believers, boy, we had a bond, we had a togetherness that this world doesn't understand very much. Then uh, I went to Bible college, and I was in shock that there were divisions among believers, and they were like this. And I have spent most of my life in the ministry trying to figure out how to get rid of this with so many people and groups. And it really all goes back uh, to what the Bible teaches about fellowship. How many times have you heard the story, once upon a time, something happened to me that really upset me, and to this day I can't let go of it. I have been abused, I have been misused. And you and I only have to turn on our TV or our radio, and we realize that we live in a world that is filled with hurt and anger and bitterness and resentment, and worst of all, an unforgiving spirit. And you know, unless these emotions are brought under control, they will wreak havoc in each of our lives. No one here can afford to carry the burden of bitterness all your life, or it will crush you. All believers can have, cannot have fellowship without forgiveness. And why does the subject 
of fellowship becomes so inseparable with forgiveness. I want to talk about that this morning. And on the overhead, we have a passage from John 17. And John 17 is one of the rich chapters of God's Word. And every time I read that chapter, it just takes me, and, and you can just get stuck in the depth and the vastness of it. And we get a little bit of that here in verse 20. Jesus is praying. This is Christ's prayer. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And if you look at the context, Jesus is praying for you and I today who have believed in his word. Now, one of the things that just can mesmerize you about the Lord Jesus is that he knows everything beforehand. And when he died on the cross, he died for the sins of the world, and that wasn't just a big glob of forgiveness. He knew you. He knew every one of your sins. He knew me. He knew every one of my sins. And when he died on the cross, he paid the once and all for all price for my sins and for your sins. And he says, trust me. Believe in me. And one of the reasons I can be excited and confident about my salvation is the one who's given it is Christ. And he was all-knowing he died for all my sins. Specifically, he knew it. Now, let's get on with this prayer because it's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, not only <clears throat> did he pray for us before we were born, but... Let's see, I'll try to do this in the other service. I kept having problems, so uh, we'll, I, I put these up so that you'll have a chance to, to look at the references. Uh, Jesus is praying uh, that uh, in, in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only, but, all, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And today, people get saved when they hear the word of Christ, and it's passed on from one disciple to the next. And then in verse 21, look at the prayer. It's a very, very short but a very profound comment. He says that they all may be one. God is desirous of believers being one having fellowship with one another. And then listen to the rest of this verse. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. You see, that's the Trinity. When you think of the Trinity of God and and the harmony and the unity and the beauty of the the Godhead. And he says... That's the kind of relationship I want my children, my believers, to have. And he says that they also may be in us. 
And that next statement is a statement that they may be in us is the indwelling of God, the Holy Spirit. You see, we have Christ in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Father. God himself indwells every believer. And I've put up here because this is one of those verses, Romans 8, 11, that I get excited about. And I hope you do too. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Now, folks, you can spend some time meditating on that, but let me give you a couple of high points. One, God, the Holy Spirit, lives in every believer. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's amazing. And so as Christians, when we face challenges and trials, we're not alone. God, the Holy Spirit, is working in and through our lives to give us victory. One thing that we learn very early on in our Christian walk is in the flesh, I can't do anything. But in the Spirit and by God's grace, I have victory in Jesus Christ. And so Christ is praying this prayer of fellowship, for fellowship for us and unity. I want to take you back just a quick Bible survey uh, that uh, uh, the other thing that, that he wants there is that we might reach the world. But then I want to take us back to the book of Genesis uh, when God made Adam and Eve. What was the purpose? So he could have a fellowship, a relationship, so that they could be one together. And as you read Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve loved God. They walked and talked with God. They enjoyed him immensely. Matter of fact, do you remember how much they enjoyed it? Satan himself was observing God's creation. And he saw the relationship that Adam and Eve had with God. And these are just, you know, human beings. They're lower than the angels. And look at the relationship that they can have with God. And Adam and Eve enjoyed walking and talking with one another and with God. Now, can you imagine what it's going to be like what it would be like, none of us have ever experienced this, to have a perfect relationship with other people and what it would be like to have a perfect relationship with God. You see, we have that to look forward to as believers. But right now, <clears throat> we look at the Scriptures and we see 
the great battle of good and evil with God and Satan and how he destroyed God's beautiful creation in the person of Adam and Eve. And you look at the consequences of Genesis in Genesis 3 of the curse, and it's quite interesting. He curses the, the serpent, and then he curses Adam and Eve. And do you know what he said to Eve, what her curses were going to be? Pain and childbearing, and then conflict with her husband. Now, we've got several millennium of testimony that one of the big challenges in marriage is what? Relationship with man and woman. Do you know what it says there? She wants to have rule over him, and he wants to have rule over her. That was the curse. And as I often say, the thing between a good marriage and a bad marriage, good marriages learn to solve problems and bad marriages don't. Now, what we're talking about here is fellowship, is unity, and the things that destroy the relationship between man and God and between each other. And so when we think about fellowship, we, we have to know it's a serious matter. Matter of fact, after Genesis 3, and the first thing that happens in Genesis 4 is <clears throat> Cain kills his brother. Now, <clears throat> when men get out of sorts with God and with one another, bad things happen quickly. And one of the things that I have been challenged about as a pastor is to promote unity and have unity in my heart and unity in the church, which means fellowship, which means having a right relationship with God and man. I had a dear pastor friend of mine. He used to be an old hard rock miner. And when God saved him and called him into the ministry, he, he brought a lot of his rough edges with him. And one day I was fellowshipping with me, and he was an old man. He said, I'll tell you what, Len. You know... I hope that I don't have to run into some of the deacons that I had to work with this side of heaven. Now, that was not a good attitude, but that was his attitude, that I'd had some conflicts in churches that I hope I don't have to deal with those folks again till I see Jesus. Now, maybe you've never had conflict with anybody. Maybe as the New Testament calls for you to have unity and to have fellowship with individuals 
and with churches. Uh, I want to share another verse with you. I think that's the one. Let me look. Yeah. Oh, no, we need to go a little further than that. Uh, yes, that's what we need right there. In the book of Hebrews, written to believers, listen to these words in Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the, holy, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know, Jesus prayed for it, and Jesus wants us to have a right relationship with every human being and with God. And then notice verse 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And did, did you hear that? It's the grace of God. Did, did you know everyone here has far more than we deserve? The goodness of God, the grace of God. And then he says, and these are scary words, these next words, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by it many become defiled. You know, you get around a bitter person and they're like a bad smell. They're, they're like a canker, like a cancer. And then that, the next verse goes on and talks about Esau. Jacob's brother, he got real bitter. And all. Oh, you see, sin and bitterness are defeated in Christ, but our world is filled with hurt, with anger, with bitterness, resentment and worst of all, an unforgiving spirit. And friends, unless we bring these things under control, these emotions will play havoc in our lives, these destructive feelings. You know, uh, what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not is an important thing Somebody is not a forgiving person just because they're passive. Or uh, somebody is not a forgiving person to ignore consequences. And as you think about what, are the, what is the foundation to become a forgiving person, and we become a forgiving person when we realize the goodness of God and the justice of God. The scripture says the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. You know, it's quite a 
foundational stone in your life or my life when you come to the strong conviction that God is good. I am so thankful that when I look at people, I remember and I realize that the God who made you, the God who made me, has a good and glorious plan for our lives. He's a good God. He did not create any human being for evil. It is a tragedy when you see people using their, the life that a good God gave them for evil. And then in Psalm 33, 5, it says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Friends, our God is not only good, but he is a just God. Now, that's really important for fellowship. That's a really important thing if we are going to have unity uh, in our lives. How can we encourage uh, forgiveness and fellowship? Number one, if you think or I think, well, I can become a good forgiver. I can learn it. Good luck. I'm telling you, only the goodness and the grace of God is able to help us to be a forgiver. Only God can help us restore a relationship that has been broken. You see, he is the forgiver and the healer, and fellowship, unity among people is a spiritual battle, the fellowship battle. What does it look like? When you struggle against thoughts of anger and bitterness and revenge and you say, all right, God, I'll give it to you, but this is what I want you to do to so-and-so. Now, maybe you've never prayed that way. Maybe you've never been so angry and have such angst in your heart toward another person that you and God are going to go against them. If you had that, you're wrong. Friends, God is the forgiver. He's the only one who can give forgiveness. And it's his great power Forgiveness can only come through the power of God and his sovereign control of our life. You know, we have to come to the point where we realize, God, this is yours. You're big enough to handle it. Obviously, it's tearing me up. Obviously, it's destroying my life. Now, Ephesians, yeah, I've got that up there next. I think that's it. 
No, we went two. There it is. This is the one I want you to look at for a minute. The big idea of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. You know, along with all malice, some of you have been like me. The very name of some individual would raise your blood pressure. And a little thought on it would just really get you exercised. If you are having that problem, it's because you're in the bitterness, wrath, anger mode. Now, look at God's direction, verse 32. Be kind to one another. Hey, remember, I made so-and-so for good. Be kind, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And then this next statement really puts it to us. As God in Christ forgave you. If you and I got what we deserved, what would that look like? I'll tell you, when I trusted Christ, I knew and I died my sins, I'd go to hell and I deserved it. All of my sins, Christ forgave me of. And he says, you're my beloved son. I love you with an everlasting love. You see, fellowship is really based on how, understanding, how does God view this person? How does God view me? And when you are in the relationship in the church, we are more concerned about so-and-so that belongs to the Lord and my relationship with them than my thoughts or my feelings. And you know, you've forgiven a person when you can come to the point in your life where you say, God, I want your will and I want your best in this person's life. That's a hard place to get to. But you see, fellowship, Christ's prayer that we be one, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other becomes so very, very critical. I want to just go through some things, a list, of a grocery list, and some of you who are close can see this. If not, I'm going to call out the verses of some of the things in life if you're having fellowship with God and with other people, uh, that will be true in your life. It's the pathway of forgiveness. Uh, the first one is found in Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, 
I will repay, says the Lord. You see, a believer has to become convinced that God is in control of the consequences. I'm not going to have to make it happen. I give it to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Avoiding the natural and negative response, deliberately choosing a positive response. You know, we might want to send Donald Trump this verse. Luke 6.28, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Calls for blessing and praying for those who've injured us. Boy, these are tough verses, are they not? You read about some of the persecution of believers in the world. And, you know, my natural attitude is to say, God, wipe them out. When they go in and they just kill people and harm people and people they don't even know. Proverbs 24, 17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Somebody is not a friend. Do you rejoice when they have unexpected things in their life. Matthew 5, 44, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's hard to love and to pray for people who have traumatized you. Matthew, Romans 12, 18, if, if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Believers are called to live in peace, even with those who've wronged them. This is an Old Testament one, and in our context, of living, we don't run into this opportunity very often, but Exodus 23, 4 says, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring him back to him. In other words, if you see your neighbor's animal, you don't just say, I don't like them, forget it anyway. You do what you can to help get it back to him. It's part of fellowship. It's part of unity. Following God's example of forgiveness, you know, with God, the best approach is short accounts. Matthew 18.35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do do to every one of you 
if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You see, a just God's on the throne, and he knows your heart and my heart. And he deals out justice. I love Genesis 5.20, and you know the context of this. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about many, that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God always has a bigger purpose. When things come into our life that hurt us. Now, the passage I read, many of you said Genesis 50. Ha, that's Joseph, and it is. And you remember what Joseph's brothers did to him? They got jealous of him. When he showed up with the robe of many colors his dad had bought for him, they ripped it off of him and they threw him in a pit and they said, we're going to kill him. And then one of his brothers said, no, we can't do that. Let's just sell him into slavery. And they sold him into slavery. And God meant that for good for Joseph's life. Can you imagine going to jail for good? And, and God used that, and then he got this job for Potiphar, and things were going well, and his wife falsely accused him. Potiphar's wife did. And Joseph wound up in prison. And then he helped the butcher and the wine taster out. And one of them forgot him, and the other one was killed. And one day, the king, Pharaoh, had a dream. And this guy remembers Joseph down in the jail. Joseph went from a prisoner. They took him out, they bathed him, they cleaned him up, and they brought him before the king. And he told the king the dream. And he went from that moment to second in command in Egypt. Can you imagine going from the jailhouse to the most second in command of the most powerful nation around? That's what happened. And do you know what Joseph told his brothers? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And then <clears throat> forgiveness must always recognize God's great love for me. I love Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are called and to those who love his purpose. Now, I just want to share one more verse with you here. Revelation. <clears throat> Fellowship was God's ideal for us, Genesis 1 and 2. We struggle with it in the Old Testament. We struggle with it in the New Testament. Our relationship with God and one another. Listen to Revelation 22.3. No longer will there be anything accursed 
but the throne of God, and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And the night will be no more, and there will be no more light or, or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Friends, one of the glorious things about heaven is going to be fellowship. And it's going to be a right relationship with God and a right relationship with one another. Can you imagine a person on this earth, you have, oh, I have the best relationship with him or her, and when we get to heaven, everybody we meet, everybody there, will have 10,000 times better relationship than we ever had here. You know why? It's going to be perfect. And it's going to be like the relationship of the Trinity. We're going to have a relationship with God and man. You see, <clears throat> by the way, that's one of the reasons there's no marriage in heaven. We're going to have a perfect relationship with everybody. And it'll be the same harmony, unity that God planned for initially with humanity. So, just want you to know this morning that Jesus prayed that we would have fellowship with him and with one another. And if we allow anything to break that fellowship, it will be a load we cannot bear. Let's pray. Father, we pray today that the Spirit of God would work in our hearts, work in our lives, and may we realize that only you, God, can give forgiveness to man, and you can only give forgiveness from one man to another. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to love you, to listen to you, and to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. Now, God, work, we pray, in each of our hearts. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.